0: Hey, it's Kenzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go.
1: Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Bald Baldface Truth.
0: Softy from KJR was with us earlier in the show. He said this. Oregon fans may sit back and go, hey... We played them tougher than anybody, twice. Those games probably could have yeah. gone either way.
1: Yeah, no no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I think, I think there is that one little thing you can have in the back of your mind that at least we lost to the best team in college football, but that, that would not give me any comfort whatsoever if I were an Oregon fan whatsoever, man.
0: There he is, softy laying down the gauntlet. Also going on to say he does not believe Oregon fans should root for Washington. Not everyone agrees with that. Christian Capel... He's the guy when it comes to coverage of the Washington football program. What a journey it has been. You can read Christian Capel on montlake.com. That's the website if you really want to know what's going on with Washington football. Christian Capel has you covered. He is boots on the ground in Houston. He's joining us now. Set the scene for us, Christian.
1: Yeah, so Washington, uh, I think their plane is scheduled to land here in just a little over an hour in Houston. Michigan got in a little while ago, and, you know, it's it's interesting. It's not quite as much, like, media hoopla lead-up as the semifinal because um, you play the semifinal and then the championship games in seven days. So there's a big media day tomorrow with players and coaches from both teams, and um, that's really it. You know, I think head coaches will have a press conference Sunday, and then you finally – play the game, so um, I get most media and everybody kind of associated with the game getting into town today, and, and tomorrow's the big day to talk to these guys about what's going to happen on Monday, and and two more days, and, and we finally get a, a, a thrilling conclusion to what has been a, uh, a pretty unprecedented season at Washington.
0: The, you know, the readership that you have had, if we can just get inside kind of your, the business of covering washington football i mean this could not have broke better for a guy who was leaving the athletic going out on his own i mean this is a magical run for a team but very fortunate for christian capel man who's covering this team
1: (laughs) yeah it um it hasn't been bad that's definitely uh that's definitely i mean you would you would think that even just if it if it were just that they were going to the big 10 right because that's an all-time story i mean that's a that's one of the biggest news stories in the history of the program. Washington and, and Oregon together making the decision to lead the 12th to go to the Big Ten. And then they follow that up with a season that has them 14-0 and 0 and playing for a national championship. And it's been an especially interesting season to document just because it has been so dramatic. I mean, week in, week out, everybody knows by now they've won 10 straight games by 10 or fewer points. You have the – amazing finish against Oregon and in, in October in Seattle, and then another one in Las Vegas for the conference title. And you've got a last second, um, you know, field goal to win the Apple cup thrown in there and a great game in Corvallis that they needed to convert a big first down at the end to win and, you know, pulling out a, a really close win against the bad Arizona state team and, and scoring 52 points at USC and the battle of Caleb Williams and all these things. I mean, it really kind of has been a, Uh, it really kind of has been a storybook type of season for them.
0: It's fun to watch Michael Penix Jr. National media seem to uh, be surprised at what he did in the Sugar Bowl. You are not surprised. How is Penix handling, you know, the last couple of weeks? You had a chance to interview him, see him after the game, after the Sugar Bowl. Where is his mind right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, he seems as locked in as he's ever been. I know Kalen DeBoer said after the Sugar Bowl that he had called his own meeting with his teammates the night before, and it just kind of reminded everybody, hey, it's New Orleans and um, you know, New Year's Eve and all that, but just stay focused. and um, You know, he he wants this as bad as anybody. This is what he came back to Washington for, and he's been their leader since he got here, really, you know. It, listening to Roger Rosengarten, their right tackle, talk about how detailed he is and focused he is at every every little thing from every walkthrough, every practice, and every meeting, and um, you know holding people accountable too. That when a standard is not being met, you know Ryan Grubb, their offensive coordinator, has talked about that. That they there was a practice I think after the Pac-12 championship game when they were back in Seattle that they you know he he really felt like the offense wasn't performing the way they wanted to and didn't need to say anything because Michael Penix Jr. was the one to step up and kind of call it out. So he's been that guy for them, you know, Since uh, I think since he, he really took control of the job after getting there last year. And, I mean, based on his play against Texas, it really seems like he's just operating at an even higher level.
0: Christian Cable with us on Montlake.com. Health-wise, uh, Dylan Johnson's health has been a subject of conversation do you have an update there? Uh, can you read the tea leaves? You know Kalen DeBoer better than anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, they're talking like they expect him to play. I did. Um, I'm in Houston, but I did see a video on Instagram, I think, of, of Dylan Johnson walking to the bus at their big team send off um, on campus today, and he appeared to be walking fine. He was wearing slippers and you know no no boot or crutches or anything like that. So. I think it's really been a matter of pain tolerance for him all year. He's battled a few different things. This most recent injury, I believe, it's a foot injury, and I think it's the same one that he actually suffered at Oregon State. He got stepped on late in that game and was limping around, and really, you know, had to gut through their their next couple games playing with that. So it doesn't sound like there's any necessarily new damage to it or anything. I, I, at least based on what the board said, I kind of seems like it's just a matter of can he get through it. And he's played through every single thing so far. So I mean, he's the kind of guy that, you know, if if he's upright and can move around, he's going to give it a go.
0: The matchup of this game, what do you see? Because I can sit back and go, well, it's the Michigan ability to run the football against the Washington defense. How do you see this game, Christian? Like what are the important factors as you see uh, as we head to Monday?
1: Yeah, protect Michael Penix and get open downfield. Um, Similar to Texas, that was a unique challenge with their front seven, right? You don't see guys who look like Devondre Sweat in the Pac-12. You don't see guys who look like Devondre Sweat really just generally. I mean, he's a, a very large human being. Um, but the battle against their deep line and their front seven—that was, you know, that was kind of unique. It was different. How are they going to match up against them? We don't really know. And they held up okay. Running the ball between the tackles, at least, was tough, but they protected Michael Penix really well, and obviously got a lot done throwing the ball. I think Michigan is more consistent one through eleven throughout their entire defense. They've um, been really great against the run. They've been really great against the pass. But it's kind of a similar question for them. They haven't seen an offense like Washington's. They haven't seen a quarterback like Michael Penix Jr. So um, that's really the key matchup. Can they protect him as well as they did against Texas? Can he navigate the pocket as well as they did against Texas? And, you know, can they – can they their receivers get the kind of separation and get open um, against a really good secondary to, uh, to get a lot done throwing the ball? Because I think it's – you know, even if you've got Dylan Johnson – at something close to full strength, or at least close to his his full workload, Um, I don't know that Michigan's defense is one that you want to line up and and try to run the ball 25 times against.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, you look at these two teams and the style of play, and can you learn anything from Michigan's game against Alabama that jumps out at you as you see the matchup of Washington now coming in against Michigan?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they're a lot different stylistically. Um, obviously, Michigan got after Jalen Milrow quite a bit, but it seemed like there was some issues up front for Alabama. Um, that you know maybe Washington's O line is a little bit more sound that way. So, um, but yeah, like it's going to be a challenge, right? You, with Penix, you got to kind of got to pick your poison. How much do you want to blitz? Are you able to generate pressure with? You know, just your 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 base front there, and um, if they're able to do that, that throws off a lot of things that Washington's trying to do, especially in the passing game. But you know, I, I don't know. I think that was a very, a very different matchup. I think Alabama's a lot different team. Um, I, I'm not sure how much you can quite learn from that one applying it to to Michigan facing Washington. It's it's a very contrasting styles. I mean, it is a very interesting matchup. It's one that kind of eyeballing it going into the, the playoff selection. I felt like a, a path where Washington faced Michigan was more ideal than Washington facing Alabama. Um, just not having to deal with the, the running threat that Milroe is, but uh, it, it, it presents some challenges for sure.
0: Give me an idea. Kalen DeBoer's contract status, contract extension. It's been really quiet, Christian. And I know Jen Cohen, the athletic director that hired him now at USC what is going on behind the scenes beyond the game here?
1: Yeah, so I had a chance to speak with Troy Dannen, Washington's athletic director in New Orleans. And I mean, he basically made it seem like it's, um, it, it, it's all but a certainty that once the season's over, they'll get it done. He seemed very confident in that timeline. Um, he said he doesn't have any concerns about the fact that it hasn't been signed and that it really just stems from Kalen DeBoer wanting to live in the moment and knowing that they're chasing a national championship and, and not wanting to really any amount of time away from that um, to deal with anything that, that doesn't have to do with them achieving that goal. So um, if you take that at face value, maybe there's not a lot of reason to be concerned. But, I mean, until Penn gets put to paper and that thing's announced and you know, everybody's happy with the terms and, and it's locked up, there's going to be some, some cause for unease, especially you know as the NFL hiring cycle gets going and rumors fly about, Jim Harbaugh and the NFL and is Michigan going to open and all these sort of things. So um, that's uh, definitely something that UW fans have their eye on until it's done.
0: Give me an idea of what you think is important to Kalen DeBoer, it, you know, framed by that converse by the conversation we're having.
1: Yeah. Winning, winning football games, being in position to win at the highest level. I mean, being in position to have whatever it is they need to win. And I, that's something that, Troy Dannen has talked about since day one, too, that it's not just to get contracts done and throw money at coaches, but it's it's to give them what they need to win. So that doesn't just mean paying Kalen DeBoer at a really high level, which of course they're going to have to, but continue to invest in assistant salaries. I know Troy Dannon has really been adamant since he was hired about encouraging donors to contribute to NIL efforts. Um, and that's, not something yet that the athletic department or the school can stoop funds toward for, for various reasons, but um, you know they they've been upfront about they want to build that up, and that you know coach retention you do through contracts and salaries and player retention you and recruiting you accomplish through nil um, so you know, I think he wants to at least from my view, it seems like Troy Danon is doing everything he can to send a message to Kalen DeBoer that like, Hey, I've got back, whatever it is you need, I'm going to be a champion for it. I'm going to go out and get it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, encourage our money our people to contribute to that cause. And um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a factor in all this too.
0: We're talking to Christian Capel. You can read him on montlake.com. All right. Give me the big picture. What does it mean for Washington, for the school, for the community, for the state, the fans what does it mean to be in this game and what would a national title mean for the huskies
1: yeah i mean it would be everything you know and i was kind of caught my eye today i had a, a reader send me a link to a tweet that the the general university of washington account put out not the athletics account but just the regular campus account about the positive impact that a championship can have on the university as a whole and you know, what it does for uh, admissions and applications and, you know, UW's own own news, UW News on Twitter tweeted out today that recent estimates say after a university's national championship appearance, applications for admission increased 10 to 27%. So you couple that with the fact that they're headed to the Big Ten, and part of the reason they made that move is, you know, for more national recognition and national exposure, it, it all goes hand in hand. I mean, it would be – the absolute one thing that could you know, launch them toward the, the sort of national notoriety that they're looking for, not just as a, a football program and an athletic department, but as a university, too. I mean, it would, it would really mean everything. They've never won an outright championship in football. It would, it would be a first.
0: Christian, um, you know, as you look to this game, people forget Michael Penix threw for 430 yards and he gets a lot of the attention. But the game was ultimately won on defense and we've seen, like, the Arizona State game and some other games this year that were won on defense. Can the Washington defense slow Michigan down enough for panics to make that matter?
1: Yeah, that's a big question. Um, you know, I think given a week to, to game plan and prepare for an offense that, you know, they, they kind of know what they want to do, right, run the ball right at them, I'm sure that's the challenge that they're issuing that defense um, this week. A lot of times in the playing in the Pac-12, you know, you've heard the secondary, their defensive backs for years, kind of talk about how like, hey, the games, the game's on us, the game's on us, because you see all these high-flying passing attacks and really good quarterbacks and offensive teams and coaches who want to throw the ball a ton. Um, and this is kind of the opposite of that. You know, maybe it's uh, it's a little Utah-esque or it's Oregon State-esque, where you know that you're going to be dealing with Damian Martinez carrying the ball a whole lot. And it's, can you stop him? And, you know, can you react to the, the play action and, and the shots that they build off of that in the passing game? And, you know, I'm not necessarily saying their, their offensive structures are exactly the same, but you know that Michigan's going to want to give the ball to Blake Corum a bunch and, um, you know, take their shots when, when it's there, but, you know, force them to, to stop that run game first. So Texas got something done that way. Seemed like maybe – there was more to be had. Um, the game script I think called for them to a little more later because Washington put uh, got by a couple scores. But um, that's that's the big question. You know, are you are you going to be able to step up and kind of play that big boy brand of football on defense against a future Big Ten opponent to win a championship?
0: The window here, you know, it feels like it's tied to Penix. Right, he's going off to the NFL. Got great receivers. There's really a win now mentality anytime a team gets to a title game. But do you have a sense if they can keep DeBoer in place, can Washington get back here? Can they get back here within a year or two? Can they be a regular playoff participant? How vital is it in your mind for Washington to take advantage of this opportunity, this window and in you know what does the future look like?
1: Yeah, I mean outside of shoot two, three, four programs, you really, when you're in the title game, got to feel like, when, when are you going to be back? You know, when are you going to have an opportunity like this? Nobody really knows. You know, again, unless you're a Georgia or an Alabama. I mean, even, you know, look at Clemson under Dabo Swinney. That, you know, they they won a couple titles, and they can have 10-win seasons, and it just kind of feels like, like they've taken a step back, you know. So it's, it's so hard to get to that level. And, you know, in the 12-team playoff, you're a – you're going to have to do even more damage in the postseason to get there and, and play more games and all those sort of things. So I definitely think the expectation is going to be that they should be either competing for or in the 12-team playoff going forward, um, especially with, you know, assuming they do lock the bore up, they're going to be paying him a lot of money, they're going to be investing in football probably like they never have before expectations come along with that. So, um, you know, I – I know Kalen DeBoer has a lot of experience coaching in the postseason from his, his Sioux Falls days and, um, you know, some battles with the same programs kind of over again. His track record is is pretty good that day. So I think he's proven, at least at lower level, he's a really good postseason coach. He's won a Pac-12 championship game and a college football playoff semifinal in Washington and, and a bowl game last season. So um, I think that... They'll be the type of program that if they can get there, if they can get in the field, they'll probably always feel like they get a shot. Um, the transfer portal changes things too, right? I mean, they've already reloaded a quarterback with Will Rogers. We'll see, you know, how he fits the system. They're going to be reloading new receivers next year after having a pretty generationally talented crew this season. Probably going to lose a couple offensive linemen. So, yeah, I mean, next year – is going to be kind of the test of, okay, where is this program at? What does uh, a, a reload look like after a, a potential national championship season? Is it seven and five? Is it nine and three? Or are they going to be right back in that 12-team playoff? Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see next season. Uh, what what does the, the reload slash rebuild look like under Kalen DeBoer coming off of a, a year like this?
0: Christian, I appreciate you. I will see you there at the stadium. Do you have a game prediction? Who do you like? Do you have a score? Do you have a feel?
1: Yeah, I, I've probably just seen Washington get it done too many times now to pick against them. <laughs> so um, I picked them to beat Texas in a close one, and I, I'm probably just going to have them to beat Michigan in a close one. It just kind of seems to be what they do.
0: There you go. I, I, uh, I think it's going to be the same as well. I think it'll be a one-score game. And how do you pick against Penix in that situation? Uh, Christian, I appreciate you, man. I will see you at the stadium.
1: All right, thank you. We'll see you there.
0: There it is. Christian Capel on Montlake.com. Stephen, I want to kick this around. We will talk again on Monday. I'll be at the stadium. But I want to kick this around and, and talk about what it would mean. Is it all that bad for Oregon fans if Washington wins it all, or is there a silver lining to it? i all of that coming up, plus your phone calls, 503-417-7575. What are your thoughts on Monday's national title game? What does it mean for Washington? What does it mean peripherally peripherally for Oregon? Leave it in. We
1: interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the
0: sorry to interrupt the podcast, but...